Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer, Dave Pash. My guest this week is one of the kindest people you'll ever meet. His name is Charles Barkley. He's one of the great personalities on television, Hall of Fame player, guy that knows a little bit about everything. And we spent about 30 minutes on this podcast talking a variety of subjects, including the NBA, his time with the Phoenix Suns, and also some Arizona Cardinals talk, in particular about the return of Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray. When you're a star, you get all the credit, but you get all the blame. Everybody comes to you. They're going to run to you first. I think right now it's probably going to be the most important time in Kyler's career. He's got to stay positive because everybody's going to be watching. Charles and his Inside the NBA crew on TNT are also in the Hall of Fame. We'll discuss the chemistry they have on that show. We'll get Charles's thoughts on the Suns, on the current state of the NBA, the NFL, college football, and much, much more. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Sign up today with BetMGM, the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Use code CARDS1000 and get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona only. New customer offer. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time now for our wide-ranging conversation with Hall of Famer Charles Barkley. Charles, first of all, man, it's been a while since I've seen you. How you been? Man, I'm doing good. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a new season, so it's kind of like uh, really just starting, to be honest with you. I mean, we've only been up for a couple weeks, so it's just really getting started. So uh, it's starting to be fun because once you get started, you know, I've been on vacation since June. <laughs> I've just been playing golf every day. So so now the season starts, and uh now you got college basketball start. I'm keeping an eye on that. So this is my best time of the year. Hey, don't forget my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, is coming up. <laughs> so I'm in heaven right now. Yeah, man, I got everything going on right now. I got the Cardinals. I got college football. I had uh, Bedlam, the last Bedlam this past week. I had Lakers Clippers last week. That was a hell of a game. Yeah, man, it was. It, uh, it was pretty cool, too, to see him not only rip the goalpost down, but destroy him and throw him in a moat. Yep, you know, but it, and it, you know that's the one thing that really sucks about all this realignment. I mean, you know, Bedlam has to be played. You know, uh, I, as a fan, I'm disappointed. You got Texas A&M and Texas. Now they're gonna start playing each other again. They both in the SEC. That's a negative thing about all this moving around, man. It it, it really sucks. It it does. I mean, I don't like it, but I get it. It's about money. It's obviously, I mean, the company that I work for, other than the Cardinals, ESPN, obviously, with the SEC connection, Texas. So we've got Texas TCU on ABC this week. This is the last meeting between those two schools. Um, I've had a lot of those this year, Charles, where it's the last one. At least with your alma mater, the Iron Bowl is not going anywhere. Well, you know what? It's it's so funny uh, you said that. I, I, I've been playing golf, and I got a text from somebody, and it scared the hell out of me, Dave, to be honest with you. It says, Auburn considering leaving SEC to go to the ACC. And I haven't even had a chance to do any due diligence on it. But let me tell you something. If Alabama and Auburn don't play, as much as I love college football and I love Auburn, 
if we run from the SEC, it'll be one of the saddest days of my life. I'm not going to lie because, you know, you know they, the one thing about sports, hey, man, you get better or you, you don't run. I mean, they, come on, man. There's nobody in the, S, in the ACC that, like, come on. I mean, first of all, it's going to be great having Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC but man, if that rumor is true, I would be disgusted that Auburn's running from the SEC. Man, now I got to get on this. You just put it on my radar. I got to start asking around because I I would be shocked by that. Why Auburn would leave the money? Because there's a lot of rumors that the ACC, a lot of schools from the ACC, are going to go to the SEC and the Big Ten. But uh, I'm going to start getting on that as soon as we're done with this podcast because you got my head swimming now. That would be crazy. You might be breaking a story here. I'm telling you, it, when I heard it, because we there was a there was a rumor. Not wasn't a rumor. Uh, we squashed it about three years ago. Some Auburn people wanted to move to the other division, and I was like, "Are y'all serious right now? That's not what competition is. You either get better, or you you don't quit. You don't like us. No, we're not running from Alabama and LSU. We're not moving." I think enough Auburn people ran with that, but man, I'm really hoping that there's nothing going on with this thing about the ACC. Well, I'm not surprised that you're dialed in on college football. I know you're dialed in on just about everything, but but first, I just want to tell a quick story about the first time I met you, which was only about six months ago, and it's shocking just given you've been doing this obviously a long time. I've been doing this a long time, but our paths had not crossed. I was doing the Eastern Conference Finals. ESPN Radio, you're there obviously with Inside the NBA. And I was asking around, like, I'd love to meet Charles Barkley. I asked Ernie, asked a few other people, Ali LaForce, Kevin Harlan, Underdog. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, he'll, he'd, he'd love to get together with you. And I'm just sitting after a game at the hotel bar with Doris Burke and our sideline reporter, Roz Golden Wooday. And, and all of a sudden, I hear my name. And it's like, I heard you've been trying to find me. And you sat down for about three hours and you're just like the coolest dude ever, man. You're you're nice to everybody. Everybody wants a piece of you. How are you always able to be so kind to everybody? Well, number one, thank you for the compliment. First of all, what you do is really impressive. You know, because I tell people this. You, Kevin Harlan, Sean McDonough, you're three of the best. To be able to go from sport to sport with the same level of professionalism and excellence, that's pretty hard to do. Oh, I appreciate I, that. I, I, tell, I, I mean, no, I mean that sincerely. You know, I told Ernie, when he, you know, Ernie, he goes, he does a little bit of golf. He does a little bit of basketball. You know, he does baseball. I said, man, and he's not nearly doing as many games as you guys have to do. Because, you know, <laughs> you know, one thing I found out about this job People think you just show up like, yeah, I got football this week. I got college football this week. I got basketball this week. I said, yo, man, that's a lot of stuff they got to learn. And it, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. So continue success. Well, I appreciate that. Very thoughtful and kind of you uh, to even be mentioned in the same breath as, as those two guys. Uh, Inside the NBA is one of the best shows in the history of sports television. I know you guys were taping this on a Tuesday. You guys are off tonight because there's no NBA games. I watched you guys last week after the Wembenyama incredible uh, play and Spurs comeback win over the Suns. Uh, are you still enjoying it as much as you used to after all these years? Because obviously the chemistry with you guys is a big reason why you're all in the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, number one, that's the easy part, the enjoyment, because every year there's somebody new. I mean, you you just hit the nail on the head. I'm like, man, if I was really bored and not having a good time, this Wimbenyama situation is fascinating to watch. And I was kind of pissed, to be honest with you, because they played. he played pretty good Tuesday night. And Thursday night, I was actually in some meetings. And when I got to the airport Friday morning, I was sitting there eating breakfast, and I'm like, Man, Wimbayama went crazy last night. <laughs> and they showed, like, all his explosive highlights. I was like, man, that's a shame we couldn't get that Tuesday night. But he's going to be scary, man. And the, and the good thing about it, he seems like a great kid. And that's what – and he and he got – the best thing about him, too, is he got a great coach. Because I'm a firm believer that's a lot of guys who could have been good players. They went to a crap organization and had bad coaches develop bad habits and things like that. The best thing about Wimbenyama is, hey, Popovich, you ask Tim Duncan, you ask David Robinson, you ask Ginobili and Tony Parker, he's going to yell at everybody. Mm-hmm. He has no hidden agenda. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, he's going to get on your ass. And even the other night, when they were down like 10 points against the Suns, he pulled him aside and was telling him something. We couldn't tell what it was. But that's the best thing Victor's got going for him. Now, he's going to have to adjust to the losing. That's going to – I mean, he's probably never lost in his life. And I know they got beat up pretty good last night uh, by the Pacers, if I if I got that. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, the toughest thing going to be for him is, man, because losing sucks. You know, people act like when you're rich and famous in, in pro sports, it don't mean anything. I tell people, it don't mean anything when you're losing. It really sucks. I remember when I played on a bunch of crappy teams with the 76ers, like, we'd be out of it by December, early January. And you're like, man, we got 40 more games to go. (laughs) And it really sucks when you lose. I don't think fans understand. Because there's a few guys who, like, just like the lifestyle, like the money and all the stuff to go with it. But most guys really want to win. And when you're on a bad team, it really sucks. So along those lines, in talking about Victor Wembanyama, a guy who has won everywhere he's been, things have always come easy for him. Kyler Murray, kind of the same way. Very successful high school quarterback. Very successful baseball player. Goes to Texas A&M. Goes to Oklahoma. Wins a Heisman Trophy. First overall draft pick of the Cardinals. Has some success in the NFL. Pro Bowls going to a playoff game, and then the ACL in December of last year. Now he's back, likely starting this week, a game that we'll have for you here on uh, on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network Sunday. And I'm just curious what you think about Kyler, how much you've watched him, what stands out to you about him, because he's a guy that doesn't like to lose either and isn't used to losing. And now he's got to overcome something that he's never had to before, and that's a major injury. Yeah, a couple things. You know, I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan. My number one team is the Eagles, but I want to see all Arizona teams do well because I live here. Shout out to the Diamondbacks. What an, what an amazing, amazing season coming out of nowhere, getting to the World Series. They got beat by a better team, but, man, shout out to the Diamondbacks and those guys, man. What an awesome thing. Uh, so I root for Arizona team because this is my home. 
I, you know, this is my house. I live here. I ain't never. I told the other night, I ain't. When I leave Arizona, I'm gonna be dead. <laughs> I mean, I'm never. I'm never leaving Arizona. But to get back to your question, I, I, you know, I root for Kyler. I don't know him. We've actually never met. I think that now he's got to really become a leader because uh, the team is not gonna be very good. They're in the rebuilding process. Got a new coach. Got new a bunch of new players. But they're probably a couple years away from being competitive. So the one thing you have to do is you have to accept accept the example for the young guys. You know, uh, so that his leadership skills are really going to come into play, and that's a responsibility when you're like one of the highest paid players. It ain't right. It ain't wrong. That's just how it is. There's a double standard. That's a, it's like being a star. Like when you're a star, you get all the credit, but you get all the blame. And that's the responsibility to go with the pressure of being a superstar or a guy who's really, really highly paid. Uh, you go, Everybody comes to you. They're going to run to you first. But now is the, I, I think right now is probably going to be the most important time in Kyler's career because he's got to stay positive. He can't get mad. He can't get frustrated. Because all everybody's gonna be watching, and this is probably the first time he's ever been hurt in his life. So he's trying to learn his. Because the hardest thing coming back from a major injury is your confidence. You're like, man, can I make that jump? Can I make that cut? Because it's gonna take you a while to develop confidence in your body. That's the first hurdle you have to overcome, especially a knee. Because I've had some knee surgeries, and I was like, man, I'm scared to jump. You know, I am really scared to jump right now because the last time I jumped, my damn knee gave out. Mm. And once you have surgery, like, it takes a while to get back your confidence. But this is going to be the really important time in his career because, man, he's got to be a leader. They're probably going to lose a lot the next couple years uh, because they're in a complete rebuild mode regardless of what they think or what they say, they're in rebuild mode because I'm trying to think. Uh, they're probably the worst team in their division, so they're not close to making the playoffs. But you know what? You just got to develop. That goes back to what I was telling you about Victor Wimbanyama. He's got to develop really good habits. So then when they start winning, those habits are already be in. You can't wait till you start winning to develop good habits. You got to do that while you lose it. You got to get some really good habits. You got to teach the other guys good habits, and then when y'all ready to win, it'll all click. Charles, in the NFL, it is easier to get good quickly than it is in the NBA. Because in the NBA, obviously, you have to have multiple star players. In the NFL, if you have a quarterback, you have the first building block, and then. When you're in a reset like the Cardinals are and you touched on it with a new head coach, a new general manager, new coaching staff, a lot of new players, a lot of it is laying that foundation, building that culture. How hard is that to do? Are you a believer in that, that that culture can carry you, that if you establish it early and it's the right culture, that that can take you to good places? Well, culture is really good players. But the problem we have today, Dave, we got so many fools and jackasses like myself on television. 
Like, man, it, it, I feel bad for some of these guys, even like coaches. Like, if you have two bad years as a coach, these guys are going to be killing you on television. And if you're a young quarterback, if you have like one or two, you don't even get to have two bad years before you're considered a bust. I mean, you go back and look, and I've had this conversation with friends, Troy Aikman and Eli Manning. I think they were both like 1-15 in their first year. Can you imagine these fools on television talking bad about those guys today? Like, this guy, he can't play. He's a bust. So I think there's so much external pressure because of the media. And then you factor in social media. Well, like, every fan has an opinion. And let me tell you something. The biggest lie I ever told was when, when I hear Jock say, I don't read the newspaper or watch television. Please quit lying. <laughs> of course you read the newspaper and watch television. But you have to have really thick skin because, listen, some of these guys – and they're friends of mine. They're brutal, man. They're killing some of these, like, young kids. They're like, yo, man, he's not that good. I'm like, wait a minute, guy. Yeah, he, he's a good young player, but they don't have, like, you know, they found a pretty much Zach uh, Wilson. They pretty much, like, Zach Wilson can't play. I'm like, Zach Wilson's been in the league for a couple of years. Give him a chance. They got no offensive line. Uh, you know, I mean, so, so I mean, this kid was running for his life last night. Well, well, he's been doing it all season once Aaron got hurt. But people, you know, television is a very powerful thing. When guys on TV start saying a guy's a bust, is really – I mean, think about it. Five years ago, they were telling us Geno Smith can't play. He's a bust. He's a bum. And then he finally gets in with a good coaching situation. They put some good players – around him and he has his best couple of years ever i'm like but nobody's patient anymore because television is such a powerful thing like guys start you know you talk about you said culture nobody has patience anymore like we need to win next year like well we who's our best wide receiver who's our best running back you know i mean so it's very it's hard to win but you got to have a lot of pieces in place to win. If you're going, you know, you said it's easy with the quarterback. I'm pretty sure, you know, some of these teams feel like they got the right quarterback, but they don't have a lot of pieces around them. And but the quarterback's going to get the blame because everything goes, <laughs> everything gets pushed now. They're going to blame the quarterback if the team is not any good. Plain and simple. One more Cardinals question, we'll move on, because I do want to ask you about sure. Suns and NBA and Ring of Honor for you, and uh, one more inside the NBA broadcasting question. But one of the greatest Cardinals of all time is also one of the greatest guys of all time, and that's Roy Green. You and Roy have been friends for a long time. Uh, tell me about your friendship with Roy, how it started, and you guys have been friends for 25 years, 30 years? At least. You know, it's so funny. He told me to tell you how long. He told me y'all working together this weekend. Because I, I was te- we played golf today, and I was telling him I was getting ready to do your podcast. You know, when I was younger, uh, so growing up in Alabama, you get the one crap game a week. It was, it was, a, it was always going to be the Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, somebody like that from the NFC East. You know, it was – and they – 
five out of ten times they were beating the hell out of the Cardinals. <laughs> you know, it was they always wanted Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, and Redskins. It was all it was always going to be one of those teams. I guess they were like, we need people to watch the game. These teams all have a national following. But I got to tell you something. Most of the like at first when they played each other, it was awesome. But most of the time they were beating the hell out of the Cardinals. And I was like, man, I like that Neil Lomax. I like Roy Green. You know, I like all these players. But, man, these guys can never win a game. But you know what? They went out there and competed. And I got to know Neil Lomax when I moved to Arizona. I got to know Roy. I was like, you Roy Green, the wide receiver? He's like, yeah. I said, man, I used to watch you every Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And then we just hit it off. And he's one of my best friends. We play golf pretty much seven days a week if I'm home. And uh, but that's how I originally got about to be learn about Roy Green. Because like I say, in Alabama, we got you know it, it's so weird, Dave. Everybody thinks now that there's always been like NBA games on every single night. Yeah, they always think there's been NFL games on like four nights a week. That's a man. That was one game a week in the NBA when I was growing up. It was always going to be the Lakers or the Celtics against the 76ers. Most of the time they played each other, but rest of the, but it was always going to be one of those three teams. And it was and it's, it was it, that's how I was like that's my first record. You got one game every Sunday, and that was it. Yeah. You know, even the finals were even the finals were taped late. People don't even. That's how old we I am. The finals were tape delayed. But we got one football game every Sunday. We got one basketball game every Sunday. And that was my recollection of, of pro sports growing up. It's crazy. It uh, you know, I watched the uh, – because obviously I've been working with Bill Walton for over a decade and we're close. And so I watched the – and I don't know if you've seen it, the four-part uh, 30 for 30 – and, you know, going back to the finals against the Sixers, which was, you know, obviously before you joined them in the 70s, but, you know, those games, nobody saw those games. <laughs> like, because nope. they were on tape delay in, in, in the 70s, the NBA finals, even in the 80s. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's so hard. It's hard to tell. You know, hey, I, <laughs> we had Kevin Kale. He was in one night, and me and, uh, me and him were joking about, uh, was how old we were because I'm so old. We flew commercial, and Shaq's like, "You guys kidding, right?" We're like, <laughs> "No, man. We ain't always had private jets like y'all have today. We flew commercial. I remember we would be uh, we'd get to a city sometime, and I tell Al Domenico, I said, Al, my shoulder is killing me. He said, What happened? I said, I had this old lady land on me back in coach. <laughs> <laughs> I said, and, and, and I didn't want to be a jerk and wake this old lady up. And my sh- my shoulder was killing me. And Shaq's like, are y'all serious? I'm like, yeah, man. I think my, I said, Shaq, I think my first two years in the NBA I rode in, uh, in coach because we had like 10 guys who were like 35 between Moses, Maurice Cheeks, Bobby Jones, Clint Richardson, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Tony, And I said, yeah. And because teams did not start flying private until 88, 89, when the Pistons became the first NBA team to have their own plane. Uh, so I think my first four or five years, 
I did by my second, later my second year and my third year, I got to go release first class. Well, one thing that hasn't changed is how beloved you are in the Valley and in particular how important you are to the history of the Phoenix Suns franchise. And I'm just curious what it meant to you uh, with the banners and the murals for you and other great Suns players with the Ring of Honor recently. You know, it's really a special night. I want to give a shout-out to Matt Ispia, who's really trying to bring a bunch of the old guys back. And it was a really nice event. You know, and I want to say something, because I'd be remiss, because, man, we lost one of the uh, great Suns players last week, but really one of the great gentlemen in Walter Davis. When I saw that, it really broke my heart, because I was wondering why Walter wasn't there. And I was like, then I saw the news that he had passed away. You talk about a gentle giant. I mean, he wasn't a giant, but just a gentle soul. I mean, obviously, he was a hell of a basketball player. But Walter Davis, one of the nicest men I ever met. Uh, but give the sons uh, some love. They want the old guys to come back. You know, Dave, I don't go to games, to be honest with you, because I had my day, and I don't want to take any attention away from today's young guys. So I never actually go to games, to be honest with you. But Matt called person and said, hey, I want to do this for you guys. As I tell you what, uh, anytime y'all have a special event, I have been here. I'll be there. And I really appreciate him trying. And, you know, and they tell me stuff. Uh, they're like, yo, man, he walks around and said, hey, how can I make it better for the sons, you people who work here? And I'm like, man, he's really trying. And I'm really excited because – I really want to see the Suns bring a, a championship here. I mean, obviously their team is loaded this year. Man, did, uh, I, I can't wait to see all three of those stars together. You know, both two of them have been hurt pretty much all year. But, man, I'm really excited for Phoenix Suns, and it's going to be an interesting year because, man, the West is crazy. With the Nuggets, obviously they're the champs. The Lakers are good. Sacramento is really good. The Clippers are really good. I mean, and the Suns, obviously, you know, they're terrific too. So this is going to be back to the wild, wild west. I, I did two games with Bob Myers in the last couple of weeks. He's doing some uh, some games now for ESPN, and he's he's great. He's a quick study. He's excellent on television. Obviously, he's the architect or one of the architects of this Warriors dynasty for NBA championships. And he said the West is better and deeper now than it's been in the last decade, and you just touched on that. You mentioned Denver. Do you see the Suns among the teams there at the end, assuming that obviously the big three, Beal, Booker, and Durant, are healthy in the summer? Yeah, I think I think they're in the conversation. Well, I, Denver, see, Denver's got to replace some really good veterans, so they're counting on some young kids. Uh, so that's going to be the process for the Nuggets. I mean, obviously the Joker and Jamal and those guys, Aaron Gordon, they're going to be there. But Bruce Brown is a really big piece. Uh, he's playing great for Indiana right now. Uh, Jeff Green was a really big piece. So they're really counting on a bunch of young guys. And I tell you, you can never, you never know what young guys are going to do. You have zero idea what they're going to do, especially you don't need the regular season. Don't doesn't matter to be honest with you to those young guys that they're going to get through it because they're going to play the big guy. But when you get to the to playoffs, I mean, because in the West, what's crazy, 
let's say hypothetically, you could play the Pelicans in the first round, and <laughs> that is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. You could play the Sacramento Kings in the first round. That is a real full-time job because I love what Mike Brown's doing out there. You could play the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. So it's going to be very interesting, the seating and everything in the Western Conference. Uh, but, man, uh, I tell you, it's going to be fun to watch. The East, can anybody get to Boston and Milwaukee? That's that. I'm worried. My Sixers got a chance, but that's the only two teams that I really think got a chance of getting up there with Milwaukee and Boston. And I think Boston's their favorite, in my opinion. Two more quick ones. We'll get you out of here. I know your time is precious, and I really appreciate it. Like no, I said, brother, no, take your time, brother. We're good. <laughs> um, do you think you mentioned the injuries for the Suns? Those are clearly injuries. There's a difference between that and what we've seen recently with load management. And again, I mentioned the Lakers Clippers game I did last week, where you have got LeBron, AD, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard all playing big minutes. In, a, in an early November regular season game, treating it as if it was a game in June. Do you feel like the elimination of load management, or at least the focus on it by the league, the increase in the minimum number of games you have to play to be eligible for the awards, do you see that working, and do you see that increasing the relevance of the regular season? Well, I thought a couple of things. I thought they should have made it 70 games for all the awards instead of 65. But, but Dave, I, as, as a player, I'm embarrassed and disappointed in my players. You know, uh, I remember the first time, this is how old I am again, I remember the first time a guy made a million dollars. We were going around high-fiving each other. We could not believe that an NBA player made a million dollars. Now I think the average salary is somewhere around $10 million. We got guys making $30, $40, 50000000 million. To play basketball three days a week, worst case scenario, is four. I think it's embarrassing and disappointing from a player standpoint that we don't have enough respect, number one, for the game and the history of the game. I mean, you think about guys like Moses and Bill Russell and guys, those guys who are making $25,000 a year. Hmm. And they played in every game and <laughs> went on train, planes, automobiles, whatever it took. Now we got the best medical staff in the world on each team. We got the best shoes. We play fly private everywhere. These guys should want – they should play in every game. Like I say, it's different if a guy's hurt. But if a guy just rested – like Zion Williamson, and I'm not trying to pick on that kid, he rested last week. And I'm like, how can you rest three to four games into the season? Nobody's tired yet. <laughs> and I said, even even if you want to rest, worst case scenario, just play thirty minutes. Don't pull. Don't not sit out at all. If you want to lose management, in my opinion, just play thirty, thirty-five minutes or thirty minutes. Don't don't do the fans like that because these people pay outrageous sums of money to see guys. And like I say, it ain't like we are steel workers or nurses or teachers or anybody like that. And I'm not saying that to be humble or whatever, but some of these people out here work so damn hard uh, and they don't make any money. For us to play basketball, 
most of the time you're only going to play three days a week. And the worst case scenario, you're going to play four days a week for $40 million. Come on, man. Stop this load management crap. <laughs> Do you think LeBron James at age 38, what he's doing is incredible? And you had Tom Brady playing till his mid-40s. You've got other guys at the quarterback position playing till they're 40 or beyond. Aaron Rodgers is healing apparently pretty quickly from an Achilles injury. And if he bounces back from that, which is hard to do at that age, you would imagine he's going to keep playing for a while. We're seeing more guys play later in their careers recently. Do you think that being able to play at that level of a LeBron James or what Tom Brady did, would that have happened in your NBA when you played or in Roy Green's and Ron Wolfley's NFL when they played? No, there's no chance. Uh, listen, and you know, er, er, you know, it's so funny. Every time you say something, you become the old "get off my lawn" guy. Anybody who don't think it's easier to play sports today is an idiot. And that's and and that and I that doesn't mean saying my day was better. It's just different because you know I used to tell people every time you played against those bad boy Pistons. You have to always call your family and say, hey, I probably might not make it out tonight, but I love y'all. <laughs> because them boys are out there trying to hurt people. Uh, they were knocking the hell out of people. And that's just the way the game was played. And like I say, uh, it, I didn't ever say it was better or worse. I just said it's different. That's like, you know what's crazy? Like all these quarterbacks today, by the time in the next five to ten years, even the crappy quarterbacks going to have more yards than some of the greatest players who ever played the game. And I mean, that's just how the game is played. And like I say, because, you know, like we were joking one time, Emmitt Smith was one of my good friends. Emmitt Smith has probably got the only record in sports that might not ever be broken. Yeah. Because there's never going to be a running back who's around long enough to get those type of yards or run the ball that much. He's like, I might have the only record in the history of sports that might have never been broken. He's 100% correct. Yeah. Because I don't think we're ever going to go back to running the ball 40 times that much. But, that, you know, like I say, the game has changed. You know, quarterback can play longer because you – I tell you, I hate – I really hate the way the NFL, the, uh, you know, does the end uh, the quarterbacks for the simple reason they're saying the quarterback is more important than other players. Now, listen, they're making the most money. God bless them. We can't baby them. Like every time you run into a quarterback now, it's like oh, roughing the pass. So I says we can't, we can't have them make the most money and baby them it drives me crazy but you know they made it like we don't care about the other players the most important player is keeping the quarterback healthy and the quarterback has a huge advantage he has a really huge advantage and that's just uh, that's just just the way it is all right last one and we'll get you out of here and maybe i shouldn't assume that it's 1993 but do you have a favorite memory of being a Phoenix Sun, the one that stands out above all the others? That's a great question. I think, you know, I think 
in game five, uh, when we played the Bulls for the championship, and I remember in the locker room before the game, because I was so pissed before the game because they had spent the whole day on television boarding up the city, saying, don't tear up the city when we win the championship tonight. You know, we've won it a couple times. Act like y'all got some common sense. And I remember when we got to the game, we were saying, guys, there's no freaking way. And I didn't say freaking. You know what I mean. There's no freaking way we're losing this game tonight. And I said, and my man was Dan Marley and Mark West. I said, yo, there's no way we're losing this game tonight. But to answer your question, we got back to Phoenix probably 4 o'clock in the morning. Man, there was so many people waiting on us at the airport. It was really cool and special. I mean, it was really cool and special. Like, it wasn't 10 o'clock at night. It wasn't 11 o'clock at night. It was the middle of the night. And those fans were so awesome. They waited on us to 3, 4 in the morning. So that was really a special thing. And, uh, man, it's just uh, one thing. I That's one of the reasons I live in Phoenix. These people have always been great to me, and I uh, appreciate it. Well, you deserve it, Charles. You are the best, brother. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk a bunch of different things with me. I know you got a busy schedule. So thank you, my friend. Look forward to catching up down the road. I look forward to it, my brother. You be safe. Good luck wherever you're at this weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Well, as you can tell, Charles was awfully kind. It kept him a little bit longer than I told him that I would, but... As you can tell, he didn't seem to mind. And we could have talked for another 30 minutes about more NFL, NBA, college football, everything. It's one of the reasons why Charles is so likable uh, because what you see on TV is what you get off the air. He's a very kind person, just a great dude. And I love just hearing about his longstanding relationship with Roy Green, who obviously means a ton to all of us with the Arizona Cardinals. Great player, great guy, part of our broadcast team. And he and Charles, the fact that uh, they play golf just about every day when Charles is in town just uh, warms my heart. Uh, He's the best and was very grateful that Charles spent some time, and hopefully you enjoyed it as well. We're presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. We'd also love uh, to hear what you think. You can rate us, review us, and tell us if there's a guest in particular you'd like to hear from. Uh, in the future on the Dave Pash Podcast. So thanks again to Charles Barkley, the legend. Thanks again to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.